Howdy, folks. This is Chris White, and you're listening to Basic Business Advice. I'm here today with Jordan Mullet, Ken Hostetler, and Dan Oalabi, our panel from the last six of our episodes that we've been doing together. And today, we're going to take a slightly different track. We're not going to be talking to business owners today. We're going to talk to Becky. Becky is getting ready to graduate college. It's a tough environment to be graduating college in right now because there's a lot of uncertainty. In some places, there's a lot of jobs. In other places, there's not a lot. Uh, but she needs some advice about entering the workforce. Given the exceptional competition in her market, one of her primary questions is, how can she make herself stand out to other potential employers that she might be uh, uh, applying to? And uh, Each one of you guys, you've been an employee, you've been an employer, you're an owner in some ways of, uh, of your own business, or we're an owner, you're coaches for people. This is one of the biggest pain points for people entering the workforce, especially on a professional level or semi-professional level where they're entering in and they've invested all of this time and resources in education. And now they have to take this leap into the workforce. What do you guys tell her about first? Where do you start with this conversation? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if I was going to start with Becky, um, you know, I, I would, I would, I would at, at first, I mean, I would, I would ask her to start focusing on the type of work that she wants to do specifically, and then setting herself up to be the sort of person that that employer would want to hire. I mean, maybe a better way to do this is to actually take a big step back. How about we all talk about the areas that, you know, when we first entered the workplace, what helped us get our foot in the door? Because I think there's some similarities for all of us. You know, we, we all quit our first job and we ended up doing something else. But that first job meant a lot. What, what was your first big boy job? What did you guys do? Uh, mine, was, uh, mine was out of two years of college and Wayne Dalton in Mount Hope was hiring. And that was the first time that I had to apply for a job and go through the interview process. And you know, I did not have a clue. Uh, I answered the best I could. I had no idea if I had a chance or not. It was, it felt like such a gamble just going in there and interviewing and doing everything like that. But went well, got the phone call to got, get the position. Thought I had won the lottery. Felt like I won the lottery. What was the position? And got started there. Uh, IT position, just a help desk job. Felt like a million dollars. It was incredible. But yeah. Yeah, for me, I, I kind of lucked out. My story was a little bit different in that I was just looking for a job and I had a friend that got me into a manufacturing position that I could actually work while I was going to college since I was going to school close to home. And that really morphed into uh, a much longer term uh, position, first in purchasing and then eventually accounting and finance and things. And so I didn't have that that big, you know, kind of an interview process. I just kind of kept moving through the system as, as I was going through school. And so uh, I can't speak into that a lot. Um, as far as becoming an attorney and getting that job, uh, it was a referral from a friend and, and that was huge. Um, I'm, I'm so grateful. I still meet with that person. Um, and, and I'm very appreciative for the, the help that they gave in, in getting me that first, first job in the legal field. Dan, Dan, where did you start? You know, my first job was uh, teaching high school history. And so um, I think I was a substitute teacher uh, for about six weeks. And then um, a position actually opened up like down the hall, another teacher 
you know, said he was leaving. And so that I interviewed for it. And I remember one distinct moment in the interview process. I think I was whittled down to two people. And at the very end, they asked if I had any questions for them. And frankly, I had a lot of questions. You know, I had done some work behind the scenes trying to figure out what a good school looked like and what a bad school looked like. And I wasn't very sure if the school I was interviewing at actually kind of met those criteria. And so I just asked a bunch of questions about, you know, how they train their teachers and, you know, how they test their students and just different things like that. And after I got the job, the principal came back and said, hey, it was because you, you asked us questions and made us think about the way that we lead our school. Uh, that helped us say, okay, this is the type of person we'd like to have on board. And that surprised me because I was just genuinely curious. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because that was kind of on my radar as well as the questions that you asked. Because I've been part of interviews before where we're interviewing somebody and we get to the question part and their questions have to do, they get really specific on the job pay, when there's raises, you know, what the benefits are, how many weeks of vacation. And it's like, that's the first question you ask. That's really what you're wondering about the job and alarm bells go off all over the place. And it's, it's funny how often when some, when you ask that question, do you have any questions? You know, I'd say, 80, 90% don't have a, any questions. And then boy, those ones that ask the questions about the job, what are you guys looking for? You know, what's important to you? What type of, how, how are you making the decisions about who you're going to hire? My goodness, it's not hard to stand out when you ask questions like that. As employers, and you guys have all been a part of hiring somebody or pulling somebody onto your team or being a part of the process. What has been, you guys are saying, hey, it's been great, this is the way I approach it, but what are you looking at? What are you looking for when that person walks in the door or when that person sends you that resume for the first time? What is it? What is that thing that's kind of tickling your brain going, hey, this, this person might be it? You know, it's funny. There's a lot of times that the things that are driving the interview or what you're looking for has a lot to do with what you're facing currently going on in your business. So that can be, there can be so many different answers to that question. So right off the top of my mind, I'm just thinking of all the different pitfalls. Some of the different things I'm hearing employers talk about right now is employees that are me focused versus uh, growth or company focused. So that's a lot of what some of the employers are looking for with the young crowd is that they're not just coming in and wanting to know what, what can you do for me or what have you done for me lately? They're looking for somebody that is there to give more than to receive and willing to contribute to the culture, to the environment. So that's at the top of one of, of my list right now of looking at those college age students coming into the workforce is not being me focused. Ken, I know that you've participated a lot in our hiring processes at White Law Office. And previous to this, you know, you owned your own company. And did a, what, what was the thing that was triggering you? What would be something that from trademark exteriors to white law office you've been looking for in your process? Yeah, for me, it's, it's the ability to say, I don't know how to do this and being realistic about that, but saying, I know that I'm confident I can learn how to do that. And my current paralegal is a great example of that, of where she came from a, a field that was not in the legal field. But she immediately said, look, I understand there's a lot that I don't know, but I am completely confident in my ability to learn what I need to know. I'm willing to take classes. I'm willing to study evenings. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And that was huge because she had the other great intangibles uh, that, that maybe some of the other candidates had more legal experience, but they didn't have that 
that great attitude, that serving attitude, and uh, it's worked out phenomenally. Now, Dan, you're in a little bit different scenario. You are actively, as part of Branches Worldwide, out there not interviewing for employees, but in interviewing for leaders that your entity, Branches, can invest in. Can, this is, and so it's a very similar process. You're all over the world looking at these people, talking to them. What, what is the process that makes them stand out to you? I mean, is it a referral that starts off that process for you? Is it somebody else vouching for them? You know, this is a multi-step process for you too. How do you look at that? Yeah, you're right, Chris. It is a multi-step process. It's a little bit different than looking for an employee, but I think there's some similarities because you're looking for someone to partner with over the long term. And so there's a certain level of risk up front because you're, you know, you're trying to make a long-term commitment with a very sort of short-term window of contact, um, similar to an interview process. I mean, we go through three phases. I mean, the first one is, you know, they, they, have, to, they have to look good on paper meaning either somebody has to refer them to us or when we look them up, they look good. They pass that initial smell test. And so that's important. We check out their website. We check out their social media profile. I mean, there's a lot. And there's people who we filter out because they just either don't have a website or they don't have a social media profile or something like that. So that's the first one. The second one is when we meet with them, they have to know their business. I mean, they have to, they have to know their employees well. They have to have a specific plan on how they're developing them and how they have developed their employees. They have to have a team. I mean, they have to, you know, it's not just them doing stuff, but the team has to look good and have to be performing well. And the final piece is they have to have a vision. I mean, they have to know how they want their company to actually help their community, not just make more money. They have to have a specific vision for how they want the organization to make an impact. And so if I was going to translate that to actually, you know, an employee, I mean, sure, you have to have your resume down pat. I mean, that's all important. Um, it helps to have a degree. You don't have to, but it helps. Um, you know, when you walk in the door, um, you have to have your act together. You have to look good. <laughs> you have to dress nice. You know, but finally, you have to have a vision. You have to know what you want to do in the world. And if you know the company really well, uh, the very best uh, pr prospective employees have the ability to say, here's a problem that I can solve for you. Like, here are the skills that I bring to the table, and here's how I think I can help. Um, and just like Ken said, I mean, if I don't know everything, I'm confident enough to know that I can go learn those things or I can learn and grow over time. But I think I can help you guys in this specific way, given my skill set, given my background. That, Jordan, that posture of service is so important. Absolutely. Jordan Mullet, something Dan just said triggered, you know, you, you've got your partner at Sandler Group uh, and uh, a Ruby Group with Sandler Training. You know, we, we know that that's a big focus is how to, you know, get salespeople to the next level. And this is really, you know, when somebody's sending in a resume, when we've got Becky here looking to send in her resume, she is selling herself right off the bat. She is trying to promote herself. And we talked about self-promotion in a previous episode. She's selling herself. And you guys have so many great principles that you teach. Uh, and we've, you know, we've, how many, I don't even know how many sessions we've taught over the years together and here you should. What is the first thing that you could tell her, even out of that Sandler training, that you would say, this is how you get yourself out there. This is the first thing you need to do about this. Well, it always starts with trust. And trust, whether you like it or not, is more than just some kind of connection where you meet somebody and you're like, hey, you know, have a nice conversation. Because what happens a lot is it's people look at chit chat, but chit chat, everybody does. You need to be able to talk about the weather, talk about something in the office, have some kind of connection, but we're looking for something that's deeper than that. Because at the end of the day, the employer is going to write a check each 
you know, twice a month and they're going to be asking for something in return. So that level of trust is more than just chit chat. So that comes from just being able to connect with that person at a different level. There's a, there's a likability that plays into that. So they're going to have to like you. The person that's hiring you is going to have to have some form of connection with you that's deeper than just, you know, hey, we talked about the weather. So how, how do you go about that? You know, if I'm a, a college age student like Becky and I'm coming out of college, I'm going to have to figure out how do I connect with somebody at a deeper level very quickly. Now we use different things for that. We use DISC. DISC is a great resource to be able to see how somebody thinks and acts. You know, there's some people that want quick, sharp answers. They don't want roundabout. There's other people that want to be able to name drop and they want a connection and they're going to want to know who you know. There's other people that just want to be able to know that you care about what's important to them. They're going to pay attention to the details. So what is important to that person that's sitting across the table for you? How do you build trust? And the easiest way is to think about all the different people that you know and how, how much do they trust you? How can you grow that trust? And then when you come into that interview environment, can you quickly adapt to that type of person and be able to speak their language? Now, how important is it in that process? And Jordan, we can maybe come back to you first, but I'd like to hear from all of you on this. How important is it to know this company? I mean, there's so, it's so easy right now to identify a client or a prospective company. And they're on social media, like Dan said, they have a website. You can go on, you can read about them fully. You can go on the owner's social media page if they forgot to make them private. And you can read about everything um, that this person likes. How important is that to not go into these conversations blind, as it were? Well, I can, I can jump in there. I mean, I think it's crazy. I think that's par for the course is that that's, that's the entry level that knowing and doing the research, and, and this is just like anything else. I mean, if, if this job is worth pursuing, then it's worth putting in the time. It's, it's worth looking up those people on LinkedIn, seeing if there's a connection there, um, seeing what they post about, following the business, finding if there's anybody else that you know that can give you a reference or that there's anything, any connection like that. Yes, it's a huge factor. Dan, what about you? You guys actively do this in your vetting process, but let's flip the script and let's say you, how important would that be in telling Becky that she needs to go out and she needs to, she needs to dig, she needs to do her research? I, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with Jordan. I think it's entry level. I think it's critical. You know, you mentioned a lot of the leaders we work with are in different countries around the world. And you'd be surprised how many times you walk into a meeting and they know everything about me already. They know I've got two kids. They know I've got a wife. They know what we do. They've been on our website. They've looked me up. They know I wrote a book. I mean, and so it, it says a lot about their level of seriousness in what we're doing, that they would take the time to learn as much about me as they can. And you can be transparent about that. You can say, hey, I did some research and I know that you did this and this and this and help me understand these things. You know, I think the interview process is, and again, go back to George said, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a session of building trust. And so they have a lot of questions for you. That's fine. But you should have a lot of questions for them. You know, given the research that you've done, you should try to understand more about who they are and where they're headed and whether this is a ship that you want to be a part of. And so, you know, ultimately having that level of confidence in the interview process comes from having done your homework beforehand and knowing who they are and knowing your own values and seeing if those fit. Ken, if somebody came in and they're actively spouting back words that either you've put out on social media or you put out on your branding 
what is your first thing that you're going to think as an employer? If Becky comes in and she starts spouting some of those words, are you going to feel sold to? Are you going to feel manipulated? Are you going to feel like, no, this person gets it? No, I think it's mostly positive. I I think that there is a limit there. You know, please don't come in and try to be my best friend. Uh, (laughs) But certainly, you know, understanding the company, understanding, you know, doing the research on what the position is, being able to have some talking points, even if you, you know, there may not be an endless list of, of questions prepared. But at least being able to say, hey, I heard you guys have a branch here. How does that work? Um, do you guys, you know, you guys talk a lot. And if you're not sure, being able to ask about the culture of the company and what it means to fit into that culture and things. And so definitely do some research. Definitely be prepared with those types of things, just like Jordan and Dan are saying. It is preferential. And we know that, you know, as employers who have hired people, you know, I'm as unique as Jordan's going to be, or as Dan's going to be, or as Ken's going to be when we are evaluating this process. But when we get a resume, and I'm, I'm getting them actively right now for a position we're trying to fill at, at the firm. And I get these resumes, and I look at them, and this is the first impression I have with these people. And it is sometimes leaving me wanting, as it were, that it is, this is like, really? This is, uh, you know, as some of the words that are chosen. So what, if you had to give anybody some advice and it was a high, let's, let's say it's a competitive position that is something in a desirable company that they want, that Becky wants to be a part of, what is one thing that you could tell her in that first impression in that piece of writing that would help her not leave them wanting? What is the one thing from, and we understand it's subjective. It's from your position of what you'd want to see, but what do you want to see out of this? Chris, I can sympathize. I mean, when you talk about looking at a resume and seeing that the word choice is less than desirable, the syntax is messed up, you know, all those things like that, that would, that would turn me off right away. It doesn't mean that the person isn't a great, great uh, candidate. It just means that they're not great, you know, putting down their own sort of character on paper. And so if I was that person, you know, I would say you need to have two or three people proof your resume and tweak as much as they possibly can to make you look as good as you can. I mean, the goal is to get your foot in the door and to be able to meet with someone face to face so they can see you, you can talk to them, you can shake their hand, you can look them in the eye, you can make that great first impression. And so, you know, once they get to know you, they're going to be able to overlook the fact that maybe your writing isn't stellar and you can work on that. But I mean, if you're making a great first impression on paper, you've got to have multiple people prove that. Don't just trust your own ability to convey who you are on a sheet of paper. You've got to have, you've got to have more backup. Jordan, what stands out to you? What, 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 what is the person's thing? Well, I, I can tell you this, and we run into this with salespeople all the time, is they're in a, uh, an open bid process where there's a company that has a need for something that I sell, and they put out what's called an RFQ, which is a request for quote. And that quote goes out, and then they might send it to 10 companies, and five of them fire back a quote. Well, I, I'm sorry, but I have a phone. I have connections. Just sending back that quote tells them nothing about the company, tells them nothing about how we're going to perform. In fact, I'm not even sure if I should apply. So it, the resume is good, but it's a piece of paper. It's binary. It, it's 2D. Um, if I really want to work for somebody or if I'm going to figure it out, I'm going to send LinkedIn messages. I'm going to find somebody that connects to them. I'm going to send a, a personal note. I'm going to do something. I'm going to go above and beyond what everybody else is doing. I mean, pick up the phone. It's not that hard. Hey, what are you looking for in this resume? You can customize it. 
I'm just trying to figure out if I should even send a, a resume in. What are the main things that you guys are looking for? Maybe I shouldn't even waste my time. Or maybe this is the type of company that I'm looking for. I mean, you don't have to be brilliant to stand out. We, we just put, we, we just hired a position at the Ruby group um, for a marketing and research. I don't remember exactly what we called it. We had our, we had resumes out the wazoo and we were so unimpressed. Nobody's reaching out. Nobody's calling. Nobody's making that extra effort. We ended up hiring somebody that used to work for us. It's, it, it's, it's irritating. Ken, you're in a position where you, for instance, need people who work for you, who you can trust to take care of sensitive materials day in and day out. What do you look at? What is that first thing that would trigger for you in a resume or a letter? What are you looking for? Sure. So a little bit unique. And like everyone said, uh, some great points from Dan and Jordan. For me, you know, certainly uh, the grammar, all of those types of things are super important, uh, partially because they're also important in my field. But I would also say, uh, try to keep it relatively simple. Um, There are people sending crazy resumes out there that just a complete overload of information. I mean, sometimes they're going back, you know, 20, 30 years of of information and and it's it's no longer relevant to what uh, they're applying for. And so uh, make sure that the document that you're sending in, it flows easily, it's easy to read, and it's not something that someone's going to sit there and be like, wow, like I've got to spend 45 minutes trying to sort through this thing and try to figure out the information I need. And I, from my end and chipping in both hearing from all, from hearing from all of you guys about what this is, you know, there is a, there was a statewide paper that used to go out that I read when we lived down near Columbus. And at the front page, they had a small section on the side that was called the speed read. And what it did is it called out, you know, points from the stories inside the paper that let you get the gist of what was going on inside of that. And I co-opted that when I was a teacher and I, the head of parent letters, which everybody who received parent letters, you know, it's like a really receiving a resume. You hate receiving parent letters because it's like a whole page and it's like, I don't want to read all this. So I co-opted that speed read. And at the top of parent letters, I would bullet point two max three things that I wanted them to know. And then if they chose to read the rest of it, it would flesh it out, knowing that most of them would not choose to read the rest of it. And in the same way, my advice to a Becky who would be coming in is this, find a way to concisely highlight what you're great at and then flesh it out afterwards. Don't put too much meat on those bones because you've got to have something to talk about. But Definitely, I would agree with everything you guys are saying. Know what's going on. Know this company. Research it. But know how to talk about yourself in such a way that captures people's attention. So, folks, thanks for listening. If you have anybody who's of college age or looking for a job, share this podcast with them. We'd like to ask you to like this, subscribe to this podcast, and please get it out into anybody's hands that might be find it beneficial. So, for Jordan Mullet, Ken Hostetler, And Dan Olabi, I'm Chris White. This is Basic Business Advice. Thanks for listening.